You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Welcome to Dental Talk. I'm Dr. Phil Klein. Today we'll be discussing minimally invasive dental restorations and how they have performed over the last 38 plus years. Our guest is Dr. Richard Young, an assistant professor of restorative dentistry at Loma Linda University. Dr. Young has been practicing adhesion dentistry since 1986. In his daily practice, he uses adhesion techniques with a focus on minimally invasive preparations. Dr. Young, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk. Thank you so much, Dr. Carney. And I will say it's Loma Linda's now change it to the Department of General Dentistry. Okay. I have to correct that. <laughs> Very good. Assistant Professor of the Department of General Dentistry at Loma Linda correct. University. Gotcha. Yeah. Good to know. Um, so no doubt you have dedicated most of your professional career towards saving tooth structure through um, your diligence in practicing minimally invasive dentistry. And with that, uh, obviously, dentin bonding has played a big role. So tell us where and when you first learned about adhesion dentistry and tell us how it led you uh, on a path to minimally invasive preparations. I was really lucky. I was a Loma Linda graduate in 1985. Jim Dunn was one of the early legends in in aesthetics and composite dentistry, and he was my mentor and my professor. And we were also at a bastion for minimally invasive gold restorations. So it was kind of in my blood to, you know, with gold onlays and inlays. And then we were introduced to composite. And I actually did um, two porcelain veneer, felspathic porcelain veneers, my senior year in dental school in 1985 and, and cemented those with heated Herculite. Hmm. Um, and so I was introduced by the early adhesion to, from Jim Dunn, but there was a lot of controversies in those years. And that summer of 86, we were looking for a way to write off trips to our uh, family's property on Oahu. And my father-in-law said, you need to find a way to write this off. And I heard about fifth quarter seminars and Ray Bertolotti. And so from 1986 until 2000, we attended Ray's summer lecture on Oahu so that we could write off our trips to the property there and our windsurfing trips. So I was introduced that day to Total Etch. And that was an early time. And it was the idea that we could actually not have to protect Denton, which you know was my mentors and the school's philosophy that you protected Denton and you etched all enamel. And all of a sudden, one year, you know, barely a year out, and I've learned that I can actually total etch Denton. And I'm introduced to Dr. Fusiyama, the Curare line and went home from that meeting and ordered and started using their very first bond at that time was called New Bond. And Ray Bertolotti had said, Photobond has just come out. Give it a little time before we start using that. We know New Bond works. Well, New Bond's apparently still available in Japan. Um, and so that's where it all started. From that point on, I literally have been through every war and thought process and controversy to do with adhesive and dentin bonding, because hearing Ray, you know, for all of those years, he took on all the challenges of disclosing everything with research. So through your practice, all these more than three decades, going on four decades, you've seen a lot of teeth that would look like bonding wouldn't work, right? I mean, the, the, the typical dentist would say, we either need to put a post in here or do full coverage restoration here. We can't just do a direct restorative bonding. Um, Correct. What have you found as far as your predictable success with those cases that most dentists would say, you know, there's not enough tooth structure here. We need a different method to do this. 
what I am surprised probably the most today when I lecture, and I, I've quit asking it um, because I don't want to hear the answers anymore, but the reality of it is, is first off, how many people are using posts? Um, we had given up posts in the practice many, many, many years ago, um, going into the early 90s. Um, but the other one was that you can't um, bond to Denton. And to me, that's a concept that even today, people challenge and say you can't bond to Denton. And I'm shocked because I came across, they're now 30 years old, I came across um, two composites on an x-ray and a follow-up exam that were done uh, in the late 80s. And they look like they were done yesterday. There's some chipping around the margins naturally from functional stress and that, but they look as good as the day they went in. And it tells me that that we truly were able to bond to dent and it allowed us to save teeth in ways i have a whole section that i lecture on extreme bonding that just basically blows people's minds because we're putting two structure back on and then utilizing it so we're doing all kinds of crazy things why because i know it works right so not only do you use bonding for cases where maybe otherwise dentists would look for another alternative like a post or a full coverage whatever you've also minimized your preparations, right? You, you've designed your entire preparation approach based on bonding. Can you tell us Correct. about that? Well, you had to know what the minimal thicknesses were for materials. And then basically it's, I think Graham Millicent says is the best and describes as the best out of New Zealand is that you're basically restoring the dome of a tooth. And so with endodontics, you know, now it's become really micro. We're, we're able to so minimally um, destroy a tooth on our access entrances with a good endodontist that, you know, now you almost feel guilty putting a onlay on the tooth minimally. But the whole concept was that take as little tooth structures you could do to restore it and put that tooth back under a compressive situation. So I tell patients, think of it as if we lifted the, the roof off of a cathedral and we're going to replace that dome and put it back on. And we're leaving the walls standing. And that's really what we're doing in, in a minimally invasive advanced adhesive. And so the concepts today of, of deep margin elevation, bringing restorations up to where we can access them, we were doing that. Ironically, we were bonding in amalgam in the late 80s. And we were, we were bringing in and doing amalgam buildups and bringing the margins up high enough. And we'd let the amalgam cure and mature. And the patient would come back and we'd cut a gold onlay and we'd actually put the onlay margin on bonded gold, bonded uh, amalgam that was put in with uh, Panavia. And so we do that now today with composite as well. And we started doing that in the, in, in the late 80s and 90s with composite. So can we bond? Yes. Why is it that the controversy is still going on about dent and bonding and the value of it? And then what is the point that some people say, yes, you get some dent and bonding initially, but it breaks down? And then within correct, and that's to do with the thermocycling and all the different material things. And I think the biggest thing there was a, a post that Marcus Blatz made at UPenn, and I commented on it on his Instagram, and it had to do with operator error in bonding. And the, if there's any take home that I can take home to give to anybody to take home in this podcast is that Ray always told us, and this was in the 80s, he goes, Follow the directions, and if it says to scrub the primer for 20 seconds, it won't hurt it to scrub it for 30 seconds. And if it says to scrub the bond for 20, scrub the bond for 20 seconds. And so I always, to the timer there, set at 20 seconds. And the, the staff knows. And if that's what that bond calls for, 
If that's what the manufacturer's directions say, then do it. The problem is that when we ask across the country, and this is historically, the average is that people do not scrub their bonds. Its average is about five to eight seconds. So you wonder why performance decreases. And then they then they load with, with not knowing how to handle bulk loading with composites and the shrinkage stresses from composites cause stress to the bond as well. So there's there's a whole protocol in how we place a composite, but the reality of it is speed is not what creates good work. And so I always used to tell people, if you are losing money because it takes you an extra 45 seconds to place a bond, then you need to figure out what's going on. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And I think that's the biggest issue is that people do not follow directions. Right. So we're assuming you follow directions over the last 38 years. Um, and I'll always have. Right. So based on as that. As far as what the, what the company said, yeah. Yeah. Based on you following the manufacturer's directions, and I know you've been working very closely with Curare over the years, and, and they do have amazing chemistry and uh, R&D in Japan that, that brings great products to, to our country. Do you think you've reached the predictable success rate over all the restorations, the minimally invasive restorations you've performed over the years? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the irony of it is, you know, there's so much, you know, there's lots of people who are influencing, you know, us all out there in, in the biomedic world and the minimally invasive world and Pascal Monnier and the list goes on. But, you know, ironically, I haven't changed a whole lot of what I've done over the years. And I think where it really sent home to me is at IDS in 2019, I was talking to the chemist for 3M who developed their one bottle bond. And he and I were at dinner and I was talking to him and I said, so tell me about your scrub time of 20 seconds. Can we cut that to 10? And he said, absolutely not. That bond was designed to be scrubbed for 20 seconds. If anything, you can scrub it longer. But if you shorten it, you will not get the bond strengths that we tested. And that's why we put 20 seconds in our instructions. We so, didn't put that in there so that you would only scrub for 10 seconds. Right. So, so the experience you've had teaching. Now, I know you teach at Loma Linda. Do you teach, in the, you teach in the clinic? No, no, no. I direct the, an aesthetic program there. but I, then I, And I also lecture to dentists, of course, as well. Do you find that they're under scrubbing or, or the main reason Every, why they may not be having the success using these adhesion bonding techniques is because they're not following instructions? And that was the thrust of um, the post that I, I included to on Instagram. That is actually, they're showing that in research now. Marcus Blotz has research showing that he put up where now it is, is shown that operator error has a lot to do with how good the bond strength is. So I think we've always had the materials. We've had MDP with Karari for 38 years. That, you know, going back to New Bond, they, they successfully dented bonded in 79 to 81, right in that era. It's nothing new to any of us to bond to Denton well. The key is, is that you don't stress that bond and you know how to manage it and you do it properly. And so I think that's the biggest issue is speed and the impatience to do everything faster. But then faster doesn't always create a restoration that lasts longer. So other than the scrubbing um, and not doing it to the time frame that is recommended, what other facets of, of the procedure could a, a general one dentist the, uh, cause us to not to perform as well as it should? Well, well, one of the biggest take homes that I can think of in a short podcast like this that I could tell any dentist out there, you hear all kinds of terms about immediate dent and sealing, resin coating, 
um, stressing bonds, the shrinkage protocols of composites. So with bulk composites on the market, one of the things that we've learned is if you do nothing else, if when you do your bonding, you follow the directions, you, you scrub your bond properly according to what the manufacturer says, you give it a thorough cure. The trick that I think is the most important is that you take a flowable composite that you like. I happen to use Majesty Flow because I'm a Karari person. 3M's got good flowables. Everybody has good flowables. There's a lot of good flowables out there. I pick them by handling characteristics. 0.5 millimeters or thinner initially on that bonded dentin surface and you cure that. You do one more layer of 0.5 millimeters or less covering all of the dentin surface and light cure that. At that point, you have reduced the shrinkage stress because composites shrink towards the best bonded surface. And so if you want to use a bulk fill at that point, you've taken yourself to a whole nother level in success if you'll just do that. But that procedure alone of placing those two increments of flowable in those small incremental amounts takes easily a minute to a minute and a half. And most doctors with a bulk fill have placed their bond and filled the restoration and are leaving the room. And that's the problem. But if you do that and that only, and then do whatever you want, you've, you've done yourself a big favor in moving towards really higher level adhesive dentistry. Right, so that's two layers of flowable, each a half millimeter. Each layer is cured separately. And then, you know, if you fudge and you go 0.5, or even if you went one millimeter, it wouldn't be the end of the world. But you don't wanna put in two or three millimeters of flow because now you have more shrinkage stress. It's, it's that half millimeter to one millimeter covering all the dentin, curing that. And then if you wanna put a second layer in just like that, you're going to be way ahead. You're bonding two thin layers first, and then you're exactly. adding your bulk fill. Or whatever you do. You know, the, the biomimetic world, I, I'm a huge, I love APX. It's a product by Carrari. It's, it's one of the most amazing dentin replacement materials, I think, when you have to really fill a big void. Um, you know, we'll put our flowable down first, and then we'll use APX. And, and this is, I'm commonly doing this. A lot of people know about BioClear and injection overmolding and all these different things. And 3M's developed a wonderful bulk fill. But the reality of it is my core is always, for me personally, I'm a, a big Karari Bond person. They've never failed me in 38 years. And so I currently use SE Protect Bond or their bulk or, or their universal quick. But two flow, you know, the layers of flowable go down, and then I will replace the dentin with APX if it's a larger restoration. And then I basically inject the enamel layer with whatever material you might choose, as long as you have the depth of cures required. So it's the core foundation to me that then allows you to create what you wanna create because you know there's a lot of composites on the market that people love to try and use, but you need the foundation there and that's, where you're you're lowering the stress and creating a much better composite restoration. And I even do this in class fives. I just did class fives this morning. I do the bond layer, and then I put a very thin layer of flowable and I use an explorer and I move it all over all the dentin. I cure that. Then I put on my um, e, you know ES2 or or whatever product I'm using for my fill composite and then so, so for the class five you only used one layer of flowable 
yeah, I'll just go in with 0.5 millimeters. Unless it's a really deep one, I'll put a little bit more flow in. But yeah, I just, I coat the dentin with my bond and then a flowable layer of 0.5 to one millimeter. And then you can put on anything you want. If, you know, you might even continue with flowable in some, many cases. Right. What but about staying within the same system? So stay, if you, you happen to like Curare, would you recommend staying within Curare's? Oh, yeah. I, I stay with, you know, whether you like the 3M systems, you know, or Carraris or whoever's, I'm, I know Carrari so well, they make an amazing product. They all color match down the line. And so, yes, I, you know, if I'm in the anterior with Carraris products, I'm, in, I'm using ES2, their ES2 line. They have an ES2 flowable that matches the ES2 filled and they're classic. Mm-hmm. They have that. And then in the posterior, I use the straight majesty flow with APX as my dentin replacement. And then you can use their their universal, their new universal that they released. Um, there's lots of things. But yeah, sticking in the line, they've really developed handling characteristics that are really special, I have to be honest. Their flowables handle, you can basically pull that flowable anywhere you want it with an explorer and it will follow your explorer tip and it'll stay where you put it. It's really quite amazing. Yeah, no, that's been very good, Dr. Young. So we're going to wrap up this podcast. We want to thank you for your insight. Uh, The moral of the story is follow the instructions of the manufacturer and don't rush and take your time to do these, like you said, the core foundation of these restorations carefully and what follows after will most likely give you uh, many years of success as you have had. Well, I can tell you 38 years later, you'll still be excited about doing it because... It truly works. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get you on again because uh, there's a lot more to talk about. And uh, again, oh, Dr. Young, th- yeah, <laughs> thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Have a great day. 